Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Opposing Points podcast. My guest today is Bruce Fenton, a Republican primary candidate for the U.S. Senate in New Hampshire. Bruce is a successful entrepreneur, stockbroker, retired U.S. Navy hospital corpsman, and a longtime Bitcoin advocate. We discuss New Hampshire, the race for the Senate, what he's learning on the campaign trail, sound money, free economics, and the changing world order, as well as polarization in Washington and what he seeks to do there. If you enjoy this conversation, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube and follow on Spotify. Don't forget to click the alert button either. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bruce. All right, my guest today is Bruce Fenton, a Republican primary candidate for the U.S. Senate in New Hampshire. How are you, Bruce? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. I see a lot of um, Marvel and, and DC gear uh, in your background, so you have my endorsement. Nice. Yeah, yeah. If you could see the other room there, you'd, you'd endorse me twice. It's, it's, <laughs> I've got a whole, all my comic books are out there. This was originally going to be my comic book room. This was these shelves were made for big boxes, and this was going to be like a private, quiet room that I would I would have total <clears throat> total privacy in. But then when everybody started doing zooms, <laughs> I put the lights in and and uh, I had to use the tall shelves for something. So right. it worked out nice. <laughs> are you a, are you a Phase Four Marvel fan or? Yeah, I'm a big. I'm old school. You know, I, I I'm like you know Dark Knight, Watchmen era you know i i like i like good stories i like uh, i like pretty much everything i like uh yeah usually i've leaned towards marvel um and and you know they have some of the best stories that that relate to you know politics and kind of like what i'm doing all these great stories about liberty v for vendetta is a perfect example you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i got that behind me <laughs> yep nice <laughs> yeah I, I saw thor the other week i was kind of disappointed by it but it was it was fun and lighthearted. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check it out. Okay. Um, cool. So, uh, what is uh, what is your background? You're you're running for for the Republican primary and uh, the Senate in New Hampshire. What's what's your background? Why did you get into the race? Yeah, my background's in finance. You know, that's what I did, did my whole life. Um, my mom was a financial advisor, so at a really young age, you know, as a little kid, I was learning the markets and kind of you know grew up on the floor of a brokerage firm. Got got my first job when I was fourteen. Um, and then I got professionally licensed at 19, which was, you know, 30 years ago. So I've been licensed and kind of done all kinds of things, retail, institutional, traveled all over the world, you know, dealt with, you know, small clients, large clients, all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, mainly focused on change and, you know, how the world is changing and what's happening with the economy and why does money work and what are new technologies and why do they work and these kind of things. That's, that's kind of what I focused on for most of my career. So, um, you know, which brings me into, you know, kind of why I'm running. I, I think that, one thing I've gotten good at is sort of understanding trends and change. And I think we're in a time of really epic change right now. And, mm -hmm. and this, some people saw this coming 20, 30 years ago, long before they ever heard of COVID or Biden being president or anything else. It's just sort of predictable. You have these hundred year cycles where everything sort of changes. And I think we're in that. And I think it's really significant. And I think it's really important to go the way of freedom and peace rather than you know, tyranny and centralized control. So uh, I, I figured I'd run to do everything I can to make sure it goes the right way. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lot of talk about Florida being the most free state. Why is everyone sleeping on New Hampshire? 
Yeah, I mean, Florida's done well with some with with some things. Uh, you know, New Hampshire has you know no uh, no income tax. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a few things we could definitely improve on. You know, they, we did have a little bit of COVID tyranny. Um, we our our drug laws aren't great. Every state around us has marijuana legalized, but we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could do better. We're pretty good, though. It is definitely it lives up its name in the free state. It is a very free state, and a lot of people really care about freedom. And our motto is live free or die. And a lot of people take that seriously. I meet really, really good people that give me hope every day on the campaign trail. You know, there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who care deeply about freedom here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you have a very successful career before this political run. Is there anything in particular that pushed you uh, uh, past that edge? I saw a really great video of you. Um, uh, it was like a minute or so clip of you kind of lambasting someone for not standing up for you and, and your children. So I think that that was a very resonant um, message that I think a lot of people would feel. Um, but is there anything else that really was the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for you to actually? That get was it? a big one that COVID tyranny and, uh, you know, having our kids wear masks and things like that. That was that was definitely a big one uh, because I, I feel like it's uh, fundamental to who we are and what we are as a country. You know, we, we it is not a workable system if you have a politician who can decide uh, who can go to work or who can open their gym or their restaurant or what the child has to wear, or who needs to inject something in their arm. That's just not workable in a free society. It doesn't matter how smart the politician is or scientist is, it's just not workable system. You know, the constitution is, is a workable system and that's what we need to uh, need to focus on. So when I see this kind of thing, I see it as a threat to our country. I see it in saying, boy, this isn't an America that I recognize. And there's a lot of things, censorship, uh, you know, social credit scores, central bank digital currencies, all kinds of things. And I look at this and say, this isn't, this isn't my America. This isn't what I recognize. I've got to fight for this and fight for the constitution. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I was, I was looking at your platform, listening to some of your, your stuff on your YouTube channel. Um, you seem to be a very unique um, Republican, I would say, uh, more aligned with like, you know, my first presidential vote, which was Ron Paul, um, than, you know, I, I, it was it was really tough for me to vote in, in 2020. Uh, there wasn't really a candidate there or in 2016 uh, for, for anyone, um, you know, unless you go third party libertarian. Um, so so within within that wing of the party. Um, how can you kind of, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is you talk about things that people don't talk about. So gold standard, you know, ending leading to massive inflation, like the, you know, the Putin price hike, right? Like all these different things that people have no grasp on as far as economics, um, the fed, the U S dollar, how can you kind of enter uh, the Senate and shift that? Because we have this mindset uh, among Republicans and Democrats that they, they all have their pet projects that they want to spend an absurd amount of money on. And no one has been really serious about reducing the deficit. You know, you seem more like the, the Justin Amash type, the Thomas Massey type, uh, maybe Rand Paul, Ron Paul. Um, so what can we do? Thank there? You. you just listed off all my favorite people. So <laughs> I hope so. They're all my favorite people. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, no, that's exactly right. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, I would vote no consistently on this stuff. It's simple as that. You know, I, 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 I you know, it is a two party duopoly, you know, they, they, they all want to spend and they all have their own, uh, you know, pork projects or whatever. And you do need those, those rare cases, the Masseys and the, you know, the, the people who st- Ron Paul was one about who just stands against it. So that's what I'd like to do in the U.S. Senate. And Rand Paul is probably the best senator 
in that regard, but I, I'd be absolutely uncompromising about liberty. And I say that at every single meeting in New Hampshire, you know, and hopefully partly it'll give me cover if I go down there and they try and tell me how to vote. I'll say, I'm oh, sorry. This is what I told the voters that I was coming down here for. I'm, I'm coming down here to vote exactly like I say, I'm going to vote every single time against tyranny. We, we, we need that. I wish it just, I wish it had more power. I mean, one Senator is just one Senator, but, but I think it can make a difference. It can make a difference. There's, there's a lot of votes that are close. You can be part of a coalition and there's, there's more Liberty people. You could have a strong Liberty caucus uh, in, in the U S Senate, depending how November shakes out. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too, too big a fan of the folks like Marjorie Taylor green, but they, they are bringing a new aspect to the political realm, which is that you can just basically say, fuck off to party leadership in many cases nowadays, whereas before it was like kind of get in line. So it seems like the majority leaders are losing more power, even on the Democratic side, if you have like the AOCs and the Cory Bushes um, not really going along with everything Pelosi says. Yeah, which is great. You know, uh, I, I I publicly said that I wouldn't I wouldn't vote how McConnell says to vote, and and at least a few of the other candidates uh, that very rare. I mean, I, you know, the political elites in D.C. think that that's absolutely insane. They say, oh, don't don't ever say anything about McConnell. Um, but you know, he's not a New Hampshire voter, and 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 frankly, he doesn't represent. He has bad ideas that don't represent what I believe. You know, I don't want to have more gun restrictions. So, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, if the, the voters, it's up to the voters. If the voters want to send me down, I'm going to do what I say, you know. But there's way too much of this kind of, uh, you know, backroom dealing, rubber stamp kind of kind of stuff. Give me a favor for this and I'll give you mm -hmm. a favor for that kind of thing. We need less of that, not more of it. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. And what, you know, as you're, as you're kind of venturing into this political realm, are you learning anything about the, the campaign trail or politics that, kind of maybe uh, shocks you that you didn't know before? It, I wouldn't say I'm shocked. I knew it was swampy and I got warned by a lot of people the minute I got in, smart people, you know, they know no politics and they say, I oh, don't underestimate, you know, it's, it's, it's nasty. I think um, it's not surprising, but it's, it's disappointing how bad the system is and how like silly the campaign process is. It's all very, very, very driven by money and, and incentives, which are bad, you know, cause there's a whole multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, do all these races, you know, everybody has the publicity of like this race was a hundred million and this one was 10 and this one was 50. Most of these Senate races are at least 10, 20, you, you know, more often close to 100 or more, 100 million dollars. And a lot of congressional races are, I think the lower ones are a few mm. million and up to tens of millions. So if you add all that up for all those races, it's a big business, it's multi-billions of dollars, all suffered down to a couple hundred of the same people. So they're very incentivized to have that system be like it is. Mm -hmm. And that system isn't a great system. You know, it's, 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 it's very, you know, just a lot of nonsense about it. There's a lot of like trading votes for favors. And if you say this thing, this pack will help you. And if you say that thing, that one will help you. And, 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 you know, we'll give you this endorsement if you hire this vendor and you got to hire this consultant for this. And there's a lot of shadiness with it and, and bad incentives. And a lot of it ended up being like kind of a bad product and they don't really, really care because it's just, it's not their money. It's just the donor's money. Um, the Democrats actually are quite probably the worst on this because they get a lot of mass donations mm. from small donors. And then it, it you know, you get these poor people sending in 15 bucks thinking it's going to help that with a cause they care about. It's just going in the pockets of some consultant uh, who just presses a button and does a media ad buy and gets 15 percent. And they're incentivized to spend as much as as much as they can. They're like, oh, right. how can I write the biggest, fattest check the fastest so I get the fattest commission? Um, so there's a lot of that that's that, that's kind of broken. And um 
there's not much to do to complain about it because it's our own fault as voters, you know, unless until all the voters start going out there and saying, hey, I'm not going to pay attention to the nonsense anymore. I'm going to inform myself and educate myself about each candidate um, and I'm going to vote regularly. I'm going to vote in the primaries and I'm going to vote and I'm going to educate myself about the issues. And, and you know, I mean, what if what if everybody spent a day, you know, like the day before the election, like, OK, I'm going to spend an hour on each candidate. I'm going to, you know, in my case, they could call me up and talk to me or debate me. You know, maybe not the day before the election, but <laughs> very accessible, you know. So uh, so I, I would like to see more of that. But, um, you know, it it, it 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 hopefully it doesn't get so bad that it's too late. Uh, but, you know, if things get bad, then people care more. I think we're going to have a red wave in uh, November. I think a lot of people care more now, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're newer to politics. They need to get active in, in the primaries and things like that as well. Right. Yeah. A lot of people complain like, oh, the lobbyists own everything. And it's like, well, they couldn't own everything if the government wasn't so big that they had influence over every aspect of your life. Yes. It, it's a, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. And then the same people want to give more power to the government to fix the problems that government already has too much control over. Exactly. Exactly. If you want to get rid of lobbyists, make it so they, the government doesn't have anything that they want. Mm -hmm. You know, they just show up and there's, there's no money there. Every time you have one of these bills, there's, there's contractors who want a piece of that. When they see mm -hmm. $48 billion to Ukraine, they're like, how do I get some of that? Because that's big, big, big money, real big money. Um, we calculated the other day during my my filibuster talk. It was uh, it 240. That would be the equivalent of two, you know 240 grants of four million dollars each to every single of one of the 50 states. You know? so <laughs> every state, every state would get 240 grants for four million dollars each. In mm -hmm. New Hampshire, that would be basically every town would have four million dollars. And not not that that's a good idea either. That's a terrible idea. But it's it's it's, it's less terrible than sending it off to some scammers overseas. Right. Know? Right, right, right. And uh, you mentioned the the hundred year cycle. I'm actually I don't know if you you've read Ray Dalio's book on this, but he talks about that as well. The um, the principles yeah. for dealing with the changing world order. And, you know, as I'm reading this and I think he says it himself, like we're we're very late in these stages. There's about six stages uh, before the end of a like of the world order, basically. And we're on like stage five. Um, not a great stage to be on. Um, you know, with, with the internal conflict that we have, the external conflict that we have, uh, the massive amounts of debt and, and money printing that we're doing. Um, what, what can you do as a, as a, from a position of like being, uh, you know, a Senator to, to help reel us back into towards, you know, seeing prosperity again in this country. There's sort of two levels of it. You know, one is the sort of day-to-day -day job, which would, be, you know, I'd be the Ron Paul of the Senate and just vote no all the time against tyranny and expansion, expansion of the tax base. And, uh, you know, that'd be kind of a good thing to do. Um, unfortunately, I think that we're going to be facing much more turmoil than that. And mm -hmm. so I think there's going to be very, very important votes coming along in the next six years. And I, 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 I fear that we may face such uh, catastrophic turmoil and change and economic loss and, uh, you know, geopolitical turmoil that, you know, maybe even my opponents would listen, you know, maybe even, Dem I mean, things get bad enough. Mm -hmm. People actually care about the solution. You know, when Winston Churchill used to say that the Nazis were a danger, they all laughed at him. And they kept laughing and laughing and laughing. And then eventually they stopped laughing. And even his opponents were like, oh, hey, wait a minute. You know, and, and as crazy as it sounds, you know, Bitcoin sound money, goofball, libertarian and cap, um, you know, 
I could go down there if I hope that I go down there and we have wonderful times of peace and this, this, and Dalio's wrong and, and there's no fourth turning and everything goes back to 2009 and, 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 you know, 1996 and the economy's wonderful. And I just sit there and vote no for six years. I hope so, but I don't think so. I think we're going to have turmoil and catastrophic change. And we may, you know, I said to somebody once, they said, what's your ideal bill? And I, I said, be like Massey's bill to abolish department of education. Only it would be a dozen, departments. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of laughed and said, of course, that wouldn't happen. You know, that would never pass. And I said, well, I stopped myself. Actually, it might actually it might we may face such catastrophic, crazy times and we're in crazy times, but we could do anything could happen in two years. We could have such a meltdown that even Elizabeth Warren supports a bill like that. Um, and, and so that's important to keep in mind. So, yeah, there's sort of two levels about it. There's kind of the regular job. But if the you know, the system gets really, really bad and breaks like I think it's going to break, then that'll be really important for me to be there because I, I actually have the ideas, the, the principles grounded in liberty and sound money and sound economics and voluntary interaction and decentralization and all of these things that I understand. And I, you know, I, I, I may be naive, but I'd, I, I'd like to actually talk to these people, even the people I disagree with, you know, even people like Elizabeth Warren, just say, look, this is our country. We have to think in terms of workable systems. You know, I get you like Fauci, but it's not a workable thing to have a scientist be able to decide who can work and and look at the problems we have from inflation and everything else. Because um, you know we've we've got to and 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 then there's you know if there's more people like me, and then the next election in a couple of years there's more even more. Mm -hmm. You know, then that's how you make change. You know, at one point there we had almost no liberty people. You know, Rand Paul was much more a loner. Uh, when he first got into office than he is now, you know, he has a handful of people that vote a lot like him now. And he has a, a, a wider handful, mm -hmm. another couple, a dozen or more that 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 are, you know, liberty ish or liberty leaning, you know, at, at least for certain issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we have to hit that breaking point. I mean, we're we're literally watching monetary modern monetary theory fall uh, fail in real time um, with, you know, the Fed trying to, to orchestrate a soft landing, something that they've never done in history. Um, and, and people are kind of just waiting for recession. Um, and when that hits, I feel like, you know, the government's going to have a choice. They're going to either have to have to print more, you know, because right now they can they can keep raising rates as long as there's no recession. But as soon as people lose their jobs, uh, you know, the, the kind of stimulus check sort of scenario can play out again. Yep. They yeah. Have to get control. Yep, they don't care until they do. That's how economics works around the world. That's why some of the best economists come from places like Argentina and Chile and Greece, and people who understand Bitcoin and understand money. They come from places where they've seen their families' life savings evaporate before their eyes because of bad monetary policy and bad government actions. Right, and and I also think that uh, you're right on the, on this in the sense that uh, we're sort of having uh, like the red wave. I, th I think there's been a kind of massive. I don't know if it would be red pilling, but but because people have are more complicated than that. But a lot of people saw their kids masked, um, and they saw the vaccine mandates, and and people losing their jobs, nurses on the front lines, and 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 gender ideology, and abortion, and immigration, and some other issues. And and there's at the, at the same time that people are going more right, some people are also going more left in, in terms of a, a larger, I guess, wedge between everyday Americans. And I'm, I'm wondering if you think that there's any opportunity from, 
what happened during this pandemic to uh, use to create kind of a more uh, free society, a less polarized society, or if you see that road, us going further down the road of polarization. Yeah, the polarization is really sad. Uh, I, I love getting along with people. One thing I dislike about politics is that it's a zero sum game and you got to tear people down and, and fight and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I, I prefer the business world where you try and make as many friends as possible and get many allies and customers and relationships as you can. And, uh, you know, I don't like a, a country where half the people hate their neighbor or half the country hates the other half. Uh, but it is a it, it's a fundamental problem. I mean, a lot of people don't agree even on what is true. Um, and I don't know any magical solution for it. I, I certainly would like to do my part to increase understanding. I like to try and find uh, common ground. You know, one thing I've done, I'm one of the few candidates that goes out. I talk to Democrats and socialists. I talk to regular people on the street. You know, most candidates only talk, especially for a primary, mm -hmm. they only talk to a very narrow group of of, uh, you know, likely primary voters. So I'm more exposed to people who, you know, may dislike my ideas. I get people who get angry sometimes. And um, what I like to do is I, I say, hey, look, I get it. I get you mad at me about guns or COVID or, or, you know, masks or whatever. You know, usually they're mad about the masks or they're mad about, you know, whatever opinion I have. And I say, well, let's find something we agree on before you walk away. Okay, do we agree on drugs? You know, if they're usually on the left, then usually they're against the drug war. So I have a lot of people, they, they, may, they may be in favor of gun restrictions. They're real angry at me about that, but I'll say, oh, can we at least agree on drugs? You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard. To, you get people we we disagree on everything, um, but uh, but I but but I have a lot of opinions, so there's always something to find common ground on, and you know why not start with that? Um, you know, I I like the idea of looking at what we have in common. You know, I've been fortunate to travel all over the world, and you know we've we've got a lot in common. You know, we shouldn't be focusing on differences. We should be focusing on on that which we share. Right, I I agree. Um... And I imagine many of your constituents are kind of concerned about um, gas prices, food prices, the general cost of living. And we have this narrative that, you know, it's the Putin price hike. Um, everything's Putin's fault. Um, are there any you know, policies that are either like or bills that are currently in the Senate or bills that you plan to introduce that you get on board with um, to, to help kind of reduce the pain? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to reduce the pain would be to, you know, audit the Fed and the Fed stop the reckless printing of new money because it's not Putin's fault that the prices are increased. It's because they printed money from thin air. And I predicted that back in April 2020. I wrote a paper about it before they even printed the money. Mm -hmm. I, pre I predicted we're going to have I said they're going to print a trillion dollars. I was wrong. It was many trillions. Uh, but I, I said they're going to print at least a trillion dollars and it's going to cause massive inflation. And it sure did. And, and at that, you don't have to be, uh, you know, that, that I'm not saying that like I was some kind of smart predictor. I, I think anybody sh should have known that it's obvious if you print new money like that, you're going to have massive inflation. So that's that's one of the things I'd like to get government entirely out of the money business. But in the meantime, I'd like to reduce the power of the Fed, audit the Fed and reduce the ability of, of, of the government to just print money out of thin air. Right, because it's kind of like the the monetary policy and the um, like the fiscal policy. They kind of work hand in hand, right? Like the Fed enables the spending, um, and and then the taxation. The modern monetary theory is they got to take the money out of the out of the hands to to keep inflation at bay. But that's clearly not working, and people don't have the money to be taxed at. And now now we have um, you know the blaming of the the oil companies. Who why would they? invest money in new refineries and stuff when they're being told that they're going to be extinct in five years. Right. 
right? So, um, but you know, I think environmental policy is something people people care about. So, um, from from your from your perspective, um, uh, from the freedom perspective, how do you approach the the environmental policy? Because I think it's a really important question, uh, especially yeah, I do. Your, I do too. Yeah. I care about the environment a lot. I'm an environmentalist. I live on a nature preserve, and I border hundreds and hundreds of acres of other nature preserves. And I really care a lot about it. I care about the, the Great Bay, which is right behind me here in New Hampshire, one of the most important estuaries in, in America, uh, you know, a, re, a real national treasure for the environment and, and, and important to humans. It's not just nice to look at, it's not just beautiful, uh, but it's, it's important. The, the oysters and the other, um, uh, you, you know, sea life in this bay have a huge effect on on really all of the north you know north atlantic fishing a big chunk of it you know kind of this the, the estuary is is you know and there's all kinds of some of it you learn in sixth grade how important mm -hmm. estuaries are to the the whole thing that water washes out and and you know all all this whole area that's very very rich for uh, you know fishing uh, is affected by it so it's good for humans you know having good environment is good for humans you need good clean air and as a libertarian and a the liberty republican I um, I care about people's personal rights and their personal property, uh, and I don't want government doing anything other than you know basically uh, protecting life, liberty, and property. But the, the environment counts in that. It is your property. You no, know, I don't want anybody coming here. I would. I, I'm a, I'm a almost every question, every interview, and when I did my 33 hour Q and A session the other day, every single time it's like no, 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 no. I don't want government involved. But an exception is protection of personal property. You know, somebody, somebody's property. I would, I would support uh, government being involved if it's to prevent somebody. I don't want somebody dumping toxic waste in the Great Bay in, in New Hampshire. Absolutely, I, I would, I would. Uh, you know, that would be a violation of my rights. You're hurting my property. You're hurting my farm if you do that. And uh, um, you know, same if somebody started, you know, if my neighbor was burning tires, you know, that's mm -hmm. affecting me, that would affect my dog and how I can breathe or, you know, I have honeybees if they if they want to spray a chemical that's going to hurt my honeybees. That's not their right, they could spray their own place if it, if it can be contained and it doesn't get into the water table. Um, and it and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work into the bay or something if there's a way to have it contained you know, people can do what they want. But, you know, typically with a lot of environmental things, um, that's exactly the issue. You know, you dump it in the water, it affects everybody in the water, you have it in the air, it affects, you know, people, people nearby. So, so yeah, I'm actually, uh, you know, I think that's very in line with a libertarian uh, position, and I and, and a conservative position to, you know, conserve our, our forests and our nature, uh, because it, it, it is important. Um, you know, having said that, there's a lot of problems in the environmental movement. There's a lot of nonsense and a lot of scams. ESG is used as a way to you know, kind of control corporations. There's a big movement uh, that was really gaining a lot of power, you know, you know, kind of characterized by Greta, you know, kind of a, a, a you know, something that's really sort of a um, radical um, movement that's that's pushing what ultimately ends up being kind of, you know, helping out Goldman Sachs and BlackRock with carbon credits and things like that. So there's a lot of scams around the environment, but you know, I, I, I care a great deal about the environment and, I, and, and that one of the very few legitimate roles of government uh, is, is, to, is to protect the environment and to protect people. Right, well, I mean, I think every state even as is, uh, I could be wrong, has their own sort of environmental protection agency at the state mm -hmm. level, um, in which case, you know, follow the state constitution. But the, the way I look at it on the, the federal constitution level is that they would have no uh, authority for like an, an EPA, but the states can can innovate and do all these cool things that are localized to the population. You know, as, especially when you believe in freedom, 
the more local you are, the better the policies are because it caters to the, to the people, right? Um, by the way, is that, is that YouTube video still censored that, that you did for 33 hours? Yeah, so far, yeah, they, 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 which is a real shame. You know, I, I spoke longer than any politician and any candidate in America has ever spoken. I took questions longer than anybody has ever taken questions. And the voters should be able to see that. Whether they agree with me or not, they should be able to see that shouldn't be censored. That's not America. And I don't know why these big tech companies think that it's their role. You know, I'm a federal candidate for a federal office in the United States of America. If voters want to vote for me, they can vote for me. If they don't, they don't. It's not the role of big tech to get in there and say, no, 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 they don't even want to, we don't, we, his ideas shouldn't even be seen. It's not their role. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be saying, you know, oh, he, he can't even be seen. Uh, let the voters decide. What are you afraid of? You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tyranny that doesn't have any place in America. It's their right as a corporation, as a private corporation, uh, but it's wrong. It's a bad idea, terrible business. Uh, and, and there is some government issues with it too. The government is is in these social media companies ear telling them what's right. true and what's misinformation and that kind of thing. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the thing was taken down because of I went against the official government line. You know, I did cry in my 33 hours. I did criticize Fauci. I did criticize the mask mandates, um, and and I asked things like why we got random ballots sent to our house for people that didn't live there. You know, any of those things, they'll get you banned from social media now. That's that's just completely wrong. It's totally against everything that we should be doing as a country. Yeah, I was I had some videos that were um, taken off of, of TikTok. I ended up winning them, but I had a couple of clips from from interviews um, interviewing people about gender ideology. Um, and those were taken down for inciting hate. <laughs> I had uh, I had a one I have this fun knife. I, there's a couple of videos that I've pulled. It's called the Espada. It's this it's about this big folded, but it you can pull it out and it, it can, it'll it has a catch on it, so it'll fold to like this. And uh, it's just a funny knife, you know. I pull, so I had a video and I said, you know, like here's my mass legal knife and here's my New Hampshire legal knife. Well, that got banned from TikTok. No. <laughs> just having a knife, just yeah. a knife. There's no threat or anything. It's just a knife. Just having a knife is banned. And you got to wonder, like, who are these people? What are they? What are they thinking? Like, I, I just don't get it. I, I just I can't even I can't even understand how how would you be against somebody with a picture of a knife? But somebody's I think somebody, making that decision somebody just doesn't like you and probably mass reported you. That's I, I, I that's yeah, the only, that's yeah, the only reason. That's yeah. yeah, that's I don't know what there's not to like, though. I'm a big cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Yeah, I just like freedom, man. That's yeah, I want everybody to do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt anybody. That's all. Right, and uh, like well, words are words are violence, so words hurt people. Yeah, right. That's the yes. that's the shift. Um, yeah. And I, I was talking to um, Stephanie Wynn, a therapist, and you know the pro main problem with words being violence is is that they would justify a violent response. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what you're seeing on the left. You know, people, they get cracked with the head for wearing the wrong color hat. There's a woman in Bitcoin, uh, you know, one of my Twitter friends. Um, she uh, she had a hat that said a red hat with white lettering that said, make Bitcoin great again. And somebody maced her. She's walking down the street and she got maced for wearing that hat. That's a, oh a violent assault on somebody. Because they probably that's thought it was a MAGA hat. Yeah. And and the, here's the crazy thing: if it had been a MAGA hat, it wouldn't even be news. People would be like, "Well, yeah, of course. What's she thinking wearing a MAGA hat?" You know, and that's just uh, you know that's the problem. You know, when you when you start thinking words is violence, you think it's okay to 
uh, respond with violence. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Well, one other thing that I picked up on watching one of your videos is, is, is you talk about the, the militarization of the police, which is also not really the typical standard Republican point. And I feel like there's there's two kind of spectrums in in the way that this is viewed. The Republicans are, are, are generally like, you know, police need everything they, they, they need and, and et cetera. And then you have people that want to abolish the police. So in places like you know, New York, you have that, uh, I don't know if you saw the story about that bodega owner um, that uh, killed someone in self-defense that was beating the, the hell out of him. And he's yeah. in jail for defending yeah. himself. Um, and, you know, you had the recall of that Chesa, Chesa Bowden or I don't know, Bodwin or whatever in, in, yeah. in California. So you have these kind of two spectrums of, you know, massive police presence and then police are the enemy and let's empower criminals going. And it seems that people have kind of lost the middle, or if you even try to go into the middle, you're going to be thrown in with one side or the other and, and, and just chastise and outside the outside the group think. Um, so it's just interesting how you, how do you, how you come to the, to stand on that. Um, because these are very polarizing times with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and every case is different, right? Beyond it, in the case of Breonna Taylor, you know, the Rand Paul sponsored the legislation, um, I, I believe in her name, and, and he was basically accosted um, saying, say her name. He's like, I wrote a bill saying her name. Um, so I would imagine you'd be kind of um, on the side of bills like that in, in terms yeah. of police reform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, police reform should start at law reform. You know, it's and I say this to officers, you know, there's a lot of Republicans as sheriffs and people running for sheriff and, uh, you know, a lot of law enforcement people that Republicans try and get endorsements from and stuff. And I meet them at these town committee meetings and stuff. And I say to the because a lot of times the officers will say to me, uh, you know, hey, what's up with the drug thing? And I say, um, I don't want you, you and your and your and your um, your your fellow officers going in, spending your time on nonviolent drug offenders. You know, it's mm -hmm. just it's just a waste of your time and resources. And as you know, every single call is a danger. You know, even just an accident. You wake up somebody at the wrong time, they think you're a home invader. They may be a perfectly good citizen. They may shoot you because they think you're a home invader. It's dangerous busting down doors. It's dangerous. Some people might just be fed up. Some people might be defending their marijuana plants or whatever, you know. Some people just won't tolerate the police coming in their place. It's a, it's a, it's a bad thing overall. So the best thing to reform the police is just have way less laws, you know, make it so that there's they're focusing on, you know, murders and rapes and assaults and other things like that, rather than being a nanny state about what people put in their body or whether they have a mask on. I mean, how many police resources were wasted in the last two years over mask protests? I know in my town they had to have the cop there every single time after the first meeting when they knew I was a troublemaker. Every time after that, they had the police come to the to, to the school board meetings to keep an eye on me, presumably. They're taking my tax dollars to give to the police to send them into the school. And it's expensive too. I mean, it's it's it adds up, you know, a few hours. Um, the you know, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, that they're spending. Um, and and that's just there's there's thousands of examples like that. So you know, having a lot less laws would be a great start. And then in addition to that, you know, more police reform and more putting the police and citizens on a more even, uh, you know, handed footing. You know, I, I've said before, you know, I, I'd be in favor if, if, of, of only police having guns if everybody's a police. You know, it could be like the old days where like everybody was deputized. You know, my, my, grand, my great grandfather was a Texas sheriff and it was, a, it was like a volunteer job. He didn't want to go and arrest people. He 
to, to work on his farm and, 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 you know, take care of his family. It wasn't like he didn't have quotas. Like the last thing he wanted, he wanted to diffuse trouble and, and if somebody's about to fight or something. He wanted to put them apart. He didn't want to create arrests. Yeah. So in his long career, it was very rare that he would go, you know, there was occasional real serious crimes would do it, but it was like, Oh boy, darn it. Oh, somebody killed somebody. Let's go get them. Mm-hmm. He wasn't psyched about it. And I'd like to bring more of that, put more power in the hands of the citizens and, and make it more of an even footed kind of thing. Yeah. Aside from the money spent on the police, don't forget the money spent at Homeland Security to investigate you oh. for being at the school board. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Federal level, Homeland Security, TSA, FBI, you know, they files on people. There's this massive surveillance state. You know, that kind of counts as police, too. You know, so if you if you have police in the broad sense, you know, we've got a surveillance state, NSA, CIA, FBI, you know, TSA. TSA was up here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um uh, raiding uh, massage parlors. Uh, you know, these were they were we were told that they we were needed to protect us from terrorists in caves coming over here and taking over our country or destroying our way of life or doing terrorist attacks. Now they're raiding massage parlors and things like that. You know, so it's just a you know ever ever expanding um, uh, you know a heavy-handed government that we could we could really just reduce it quite a bit, and I think we'd be all be a lot better off. Yeah, the TSA pulled my uh, my luggage for having uh, a bag of granola in it the other day. <laughs> like, thank you, you you definitely did your jobs today, fellas. <laughs> Man, I mean, I mean, it's like the the miss the missed point with something like Eric Garner is is the police stopped him for loose cigarettes. Yes, who gives a shit about loose cigarettes? Right. Some busybody nanny state authoritarian goofball sat in some office and uttered those horrible, evil words that have been uttered by tyrants for centuries. There ought to be a law <laughs> and, and some leftist guaranteed, guaranteed far, far, far left and 95 wearing masks, signaling church awoke Pelosi worshiping member of the lefty left left. New Yorker reading lefty in some lefty office in New York sat there and said, there ought to be a law. And they made a law about loose cigarettes and Eric Garner's dead because of it, strangled in the street because of it. And there's no accountability. We don't even know who that person is. We know who the officer is. We don't know who the person is. And that's the way it is. It's this evil sense of something where nobody takes responsibility and they add law after law after law after law. And what government is, it's like a child with a with a gun. It's like a toddler with the world's biggest gun because government is the world's biggest gun. Government has killed more of its own people than anything. Government cages people. Government has powers that nothing else has. Government is really, 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 really dangerous. And what you have is people just don't consider anything, just willy-nilly out there. Oh, yeah, those cigarettes. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders says, uh, he said, oh, there's too many deodorants. He literally said that. Yeah, something yeah. ought to be talking about Uber. You know, Bernie's just just a toddler with a gun. Oh, la, 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 more, 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 more. And they never get concerned about economic ruin that it causes. And they never get concerned about the the thousands and thousands of garners who are dead, strangled or or locked up in cages or have their property taken because some idiot uttered those stupid there. You know, there ought to be a law. No, there ought to not be a law. Let people have a cigarette. How would you possibly think that it was your role to sit in some centralized fancy office and decide how, how people sell cigarettes? Shut up. Go away. Stop stealing our money. Get out of here. We don't need them. It's totally absurd. It, it all comes back to the Fed. 
<laughs> yes, it does. Because again, the accountability, they yeah. wouldn't be able to pass these stupid laws if they didn't have all this unlimited phony money that they're printing and lack of accountability. Nobody would care. Is there any citizen in New York who cared about loose cigarettes? Not yeah. one, not one. You know, there was no grandmother sitting up. Oh, you got it. The loose cigarettes are hurting me. And if they did, they should have been told to shut up. Victimless crime. And now he's dead. So that's what we need. We need less laws. That would that'd be the best thing for peace. Mm -hmm. And what's the living wage for an average apartment of $5,000 in New York City? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, on, on that note, where, where, can, uh, where can people follow you and support the campaign? Yeah, thanks so much. So it's uh, BruceFenton.com, F-E-N-T-O-N. Uh, that's my also my Twitter handle and I'm active on Twitter and I do a lot of video TikTok, YouTube this kind of stuff I'm very accessible mobile is out there people can call me text me uh, I do a lot of you know interviews and everything and and you know especially in New Hampshire I'm really easy to meet in person people can come by and you know on certain days come by my house uh, and and uh, you know I open up my house and I I'm out and about all of all the time at different meetings and things like that. Um, so if you're in New Hampshire, definitely vote for me. And I, you know, I, I appreciate support. I'm very careful about money. I love uh, donations, but I spend them very wisely on education of voters. You know, I don't waste the money because um, a lot of it's my own money. I put in a lot more <laughs> money than any 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 donor. Uh, so if you want to save me some sats, uh, I appreciate it. Um, but. Yeah, um, you know, I, I appreciate people sharing the word liberty, you know, sharing interviews like this and that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that's uh, that's one way to help. All right, awesome. Uh, if I if I ever find myself in New Hampshire, I will. I have an expectation to throw around that Captain America shield that you got. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you, you if you're you like comic books, you'd love it. The farm is beautiful. I love to welcome people here. You know, especially people. You know, a lot of people passing through. I just let you know text. I say, come on, come for a walk. I may be busy or not, but I I encourage people to come by and uh, you know if you know we we could take a look at them. My cool cool comic book stuff too. Awesome. Awesome. Bruce, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it too. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Have a good